0: Jen, it's Monday night, and I know there's something that made you do a spit take. What did you disagree with this week?
1: This week, the the spit take is a sad one. Um, it's the passing of John Clayton. Uh, I think for all of us that, that grew up watching sports, he was a legend. He was back in an age in ESPN when they actually gave news. You know, it wasn't just random hot takes. Um, it's a total bummer. His his sports illustri- or I'm sorry, his Sports Center commercial is top five if not top one mom i'm done with my segment love it so i'm bummed you know that that kind of made me do a spit take when i found out he passed
0: yeah i have a, a lot to say about john clayton that i won't get into but i they're all along the exact same sentiments that you did yeah sad uh sad spit take to start the week but very apt and fitting uh we'll all miss john clayton now let's get to the show Welcome everyone to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Ells. With me are my excellent co-hosts, as usual, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing great.
2: I'm ready to dive into some of the news that we're getting from free agency. Uh, but Jen, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm excited to do the same. A lot has happened since the three of us were together last week, so I'm super psyched to uh, to get into it. Brandon, what do we got in the news?
0: Couple things happened in the past week, and I'm and by the past week, I'm talking about since the two Johns uh posted an episode on Thursday where they were uh talking hard about Allen Robinson. And Go back and listen to that if you want to hear the Johns takes on Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, a few things have happened since then. I'm going to start uh chronologically at the moment and talk about Devontae Adams getting traded to the Raiders. This blew me away. Uh, he had signed, or he had been uh, franchise-tagged by the Packers. Uh, said he would not play on the tag. News has come out that supposedly Aaron Rodgers was aware that uh, they did not expect Devonte Adams to come back when he signed the contract. Uh, comes over to the Raiders for a first and a second-round pick. Uh, Got to assume Green Bay is going to use those picks on a running back and a quarterback. And uh, yeah, so Devonte Adams is now a Raider. I want to start with Chris. Chris, uh, your take on what the Packers are going to do with Devontae Adams no longer in the fold. Panic?
2: <laughs> fold? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess my my concern is wh- how do we value this offense moving forward? Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is akin to Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett or Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin before Tyler Lockett came along. That connection that those two shared it's hard to separate the skill level between the quarterback and the wide receiver when you're at that high of a level. So, to say that Devontae Adams only succeeded because of Aaron Rodgers, you can't say that. And you can't say that Aaron Rodgers succeeded only because of Devontae Adams. So, while I can't value Aaron Rodgers as the same like high-level quarterback. I think the skill level is still there, but we have to take into context the personnel that's currently surrounding him. Devontae Adams leaves a huge hole in that offense because they don't have a dominant X receiver to walk right in. MVS still hasn't re-signed. Randall Cobb's coming back, but he's still just a slot receiver at this point in his career. Same thing with Alan Lazard. I mean, they have overlapping skill sets. So I don't know how to value this offense moving forward. The only player that I feel comfortable taking in drafts as of right now is Aaron Jones because those targets have to go somewhere so until we see either some sort of free agent signing even though the pickings are slim at this point or what they do in the draft if they wind up going receiver at pick what are they they at 22 or something like that now I believe with the trade with the Raiders so until we see that happen it's difficult for me to trust anybody from the Packers outside of just Aaron Jones for me at this point
0: yeah, Jen, what about uh, Robert Tunyon? Do you think there could be a little bit of a uh, – he's going to come off injury. Uh, obviously, was due for some touchdown regression anyway, so a lot of people were out on him going into last year. Could we see a resurgence in Robert Tunyon next year uh, now that there's not really that red zone threat of Devontae Adams around anymore?
1: I mean, I think we possibly have to, right? Like you said, there's not a lot going on there, so it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of leaned more on the tight end. Uh, I mean, listen, it's not over. Obviously, we still have the draft, and there is still free agency, so the Packers may get it together and bring someone else in there. But uh, like Chris said, I, it's rough. I mean, other than Jones and then A.J. Dillon, I don't know uh, that I will be investing in any of those guys. I mean, tight end, listen, as we all know, it's the top three at the top or whatever, and then it's a crapshoot after that, so why not throw some Tunyon in best ball? And uh, I don't think, though, that I'll be investing in him in redraft, at least not at this, at this moment.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And kind of moving over to the Raiders, Jen. What does this do uh, for you for both the uh, um, the other skill position players and for Devontae Adams?
1: I think it's great for Devontae Adams. I mean, Carr is you know a guy that we've always said like maybe he's really good, depending on you know. And he's hasn't had much to go on last year. Him and you know Hunter Renfro had a lot. I mean, he was fourth, I think, in passing yards last year with what he had to work with. So you throw Devontae, they obviously have a connection from Fresno State. So I don't see why Devontae is not going to end up kind of where, you know, just kind of transition from one offense to the next and still be, you know, at at least a fantasy wide receiver one. I don't know about the fantasy wide receiver one, but I think he's in the conversation at least amongst the top 12 for sure.
0: Uh, I haven't been on underdogs ADP lately. Have either of you noticed if Devontae Adams has um, dropped or, or, you know, risen at all, or is it still too soon? Chris?
2: From what I've seen, he was in the back end of the first round, like somewhere like 10, 11, like maybe at the 12th pick. And now I've seen him more towards mid-second, somewhere in there. So in the, let's say, wide re- instead of like the wide receiver three, maybe more around the wide receiver six, seven, eight, like somewhere in there. So around, I think it's like Stefan Diggs. A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, like towards the back end of like those top top tier of like wide receivers, that's where he's kind of fallen at this
0: point. Okay, so that jives exactly with what Jen's saying, where he should probably be ranked. Um, Chris, uh, Derek Carr is up to 14th in the never too early rankings at four for four right now. Uh, so kind of a fringe, getting close to R.B. one or I'm sorry, Q.B. one status. Uh, how are you viewing Derek Carr going into this season, knowing that you're going to be writing quarterback streaming articles again, and knowing that he he now has, uh, inarguably, the best weapon he's ever had at wideout.
2: I think this moves him into high-end streamer. If he's not going to be more of those popular quarterbacks, I think at some point we, as the fantasy community, might wind up talking ourselves into drafting more of Derek Carr because on paper he just has one of the best personnels uh, in the league. I mean, at least you know, on, like I said, on paper. Because if you've got Devontae Adams on one side, Hunter Renfro on the other side. Uh, and also uh, not uh, Darren Waller as well at tight end and then just the gaggle of running backs that they now have signed that can do both either running between the tackles and can operate as pass catchers because I mean McDaniels has brought over so many of his New England pass catchers wants to try and recreate that same type of Merc at the running back position as they had back in New England. So. I think overall on paper, it sounds great for him, especially in that division. You know there are going to be a ton of shootouts, whether it be with or against the Chargers or against the Chiefs or now against the Broncos, too, because they have Russell Wilson. So I think that entire environment breeds fantasy production. And if he has the weapons to do it, so, for, uh, so much the better. Uh, over the past few years, the uh, Raiders have now moved into a more pass-happy uh, set. They were, I think, almost like bottom of the league in terms of neutral passing rate on early downs. Three years ago, they're like 27th or 28th. And that shifted up over the past couple of years because they've realized in order for them to be competitive in that division, they need to be able to keep up with the Patrick Mahomes and now, of course, Justin Herbert as well. So it's great for Derek Carr. I think my only pushback on the Devontae Adams, I think he will be the wide receiver one for that team. But he's had he's averaged a 30 and a half percent target share with Aaron Rodgers because his target competition has been guys like Geronimo Allison and Jake Kumaro. That's not going to be the case with the Raiders. So it's with that heightened target competition there with Las Ve- in Las Vegas, I do think he kind of falls back into, let's say, Stefan Diggs type of target share, 25 26%, somewhere in there. So it still keeps him in the wide receiver one conversation. But I think overall, it's just more positive for that entire offense as a whole. I'd Jen, like how to much? Say-
1: I'm sorry. I just like to say real quick. I like that you use the term gaggle of receivers. I don't know. <laughs> like I usually, you know, we all have to find new words, right? Writing so much, and I, I, you know, I throw bevy in there or whatever. But gaggle is, is not one I've uh, I've used for receivers. So Grammarly
2: like- keeps pushing me into using <laughs> new words like every week. So there, there we go.
0: I like gaggle. I like gaggle. Yeah. Uh, Jen, with that 25% target share that Chris is estimating for Devontae Adams, how, how are you viewing Hunter Renfro and more importantly, Darren Waller going into the season?
1: Well, I'm a little scarred from Darren Waller from last season, I think as everyone is who paid up for him uh, in every every type of format. So that's tough. Um, Chris did make a good point. You know, Devontae Adams has done most of his target share and most of his high volume and high production from a fantasy standpoint as being the guy. Um, He'll still be the guy, but he does have a little more competition. So we do have to kind of take that into consideration and see that he is going to have to share uh, with both Renfro and Waller. And I think Renfro deserves, you know, he may get tossed aside, you know, but I think after what he did last season, I would like to think that he deserves, you know, legitimate uh, volume in that offense.
0: You would think so. I, I, uh, It was fun to have him. He was someone I picked up a lot and just kind of rode down the stretch, which was nice. Let's shift uh, to Deshaun Watson. The That shoe finally dropped. We've been waiting for it for a long time to figure out where he went and exactly how that would shake up fantasy. I'm going to talk about fantasy uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to talk about anything else Deshaun Watson today. Uh, there's enough of that on Twitter if you want to go to Twitter. Uh, but fantasy implications of Deshaun Watson with the Browns, uh Jen I want to start with you we talked about Amari Cooper last week being a wide receiver three in Cleveland how does Deshaun Watson's arrival affect that for you
1: I think he's bumped up to the wide receiver you know the the low end wide receiver two range until we kind of see anything else listen Deshaun Watson fantasy wise and real life playing football wise is an upgrade from Baker Mayfield I think we can all agree for that he has the mobility I think he is an upgrade regardless of You know, Baker being hurt last season and we didn't see true Baker, sure, but I think he is an upgrade. And I think that uh, in PPR formats, I think he's going to be a monster, Amari. Uh, So I think that, uh, I think he gets, you know, bumped up into the wide receiver two realm for me.
0: I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm buying him more than I was a week ago. I'm definitely eyeing my dynasty shares uh, of him with a, a brighter light than I was a week ago, uh, for sure. Chris, I wanted to ask you: Kevin Stefanski is still the coach of Cleveland, and he's not really known for emphasizing the passing game. Now, obviously, we haven't seen him with a weapon like Deshaun Watson behind center. Are you worried at all about that approach mitigating? the high-end fantasy success that we expect from Deshaun Watson in any uniform?
2: Not particularly, at least not at this point. And I'm making some assumptions here, and I realize that because we don't know how all this is going to play out. But a couple of things that the team has kind of done over the past, let's say, month or so that might signal they are moving towards at least accommodating What Deshaun Watson brings to the table because think about what Kevin Stefanski was doing with their passing game when he was working with Kirk Cousins. I mean, we saw guys like Stefan Diggs become a larger part of that offense because we were were excited about what Diggs could be now that took a step back before he moved over to Buffalo, but we saw some of those heights when he was connected to Kirk Cousins. So that passing game could be more emphasized. Then also the team moved on from Austin Hooper. So that does leave behind guys like Harrison Bryant, David Njoku is still there, but At the very least, it could signal the fact that they're moving away from more two tight end sets. They ran 12 personnel or had two tight ends on the field at the fifth highest rank, uh, fifth highest rate last season. That's according to Sharp Football Analysis. So if they do wind up trying to incorporate more of those wide receivers, we already talked about what it could be with Amari Cooper. We could see what happens with either Donovan Peoples-Jones or Anthony Schwartz any of the burners that they currently have. So. I can see a case where Deshaun Watson actually helps or at least gives them the incentive to push the ball downfield more because that's what he brings to the table. Almost in any singular metric or quarterback metric, Deshaun Watson is better than Baker Mayfield. You want to look at adjusted yards per attempt, almost a full yard, yard and a half greater than Baker Mayfield. EPA per play, even completion percentage over expected. I mean, all of that kind of leans or brings me to the point that Kevin fancy now knows he has one of the guys at the quarterback position that he now has at least a bit more room to work with when it comes to molding that passing game around what Watson can do. So I am excited, at least from that perspective, from a fantasy perspective, I'm excited for the prospects of the pass catchers. Watson as a quarterback and everything else that kind of surrounds his story at this point, it just becomes a bit more complicated for me to discuss.
0: Deshaun Watson currently uh, t- 10th round right now on underdog right now. We've got him ranked inside our top 20. Uh, obviously built into that is a lot of the suspension uh, concerns. We, I think most people expect some sort of suspension to be handed down, whether it be six games, eight games, whatever the case may be. Uh, Jen, are you taking a stab at Deshaun Watson in that area? How high does his ADP have to be before you start saying, no, the risk is too great?
1: I don't, you know, it's tough for me and I know we're not talking about the other stuff, but the other stuff is in my brain when I draft it, it I try not to, because I know you have to separate it. Um, but there is a moral compass in me that, that makes it difficult. So I think for me, I probably, am not going to draft him unless he falls really, really low and scoop him up in best ball and whatnot. But I think in redraft, I may go, just go in different directions
0: i get that i still don't draft tyreek hill <laughs> you know it's, it's same to...
1: <laughs> I, I, try, I, I try not to um yeah. i, I kind of gave in on like kareem hunt there's a couple guys that i've but it, it's it's just a you know and i know that fantasy football is, is, is a whole different animal and and you have to try to separate you know i, I know that separating the fandom from I'm, I'm very good at that you know i can separate fandom from I, I will draft players that i don't like on teams that i don't like no problem but when it comes to you know certain moral things, it's just that's where there's a line there for me.
0: I get that. I think that makes sense, and it's only natural, really. You know, you you, you play fantasy because ultimately fantasy is fun. I I know um it's a way to make money and it's a way for camaraderie and all that too. But it, it's it's also fun, and I want to root for the guys that I have on my team uh you know and feel good about rooting for them so i'm with you completely
1: that's why best ball you can kind of do it because then you don't have to worry about it you don't know that you drafted him after you click the button
0: yeah no (laughs) offense of course to anyone who doesn't approach fantasy football that way i'm not i'm not calling anyone out for that or anything like that but i am with you i i get that completely jen uh last thing on the browns chris uh you think that running game is still going to be intact you said that you're not too worried about the sean's uh you know, work in Kevin Stefanski's offense. Do you think that this helps, hurts, or doesn't affect Nick Chubb?
2: No, no, I don't think it affects Nick Chubb. I think that at their their core, they are still a team that's going to, at least for the, let's say for the short term, as they continue to bring Deshaun along in that offense, or even trying to figure out what they have, what this offense can do. Because if you think about it, Amari Cooper hasn't played not a single snap with Deshaun Watson. Neither is any of the rest of the pass catchers. I mean, even if you look at the current personnel they have there, we only saw Donovan Peoples-Jones play on a limited basis last year. Anthony Schwartz, who I mentioned earlier, barely saw playing time as well. So it's just a lot. And even David Njoku, for at least all of the hype that surrounded him being back with the team, he hasn't seen like a large part of the action as well. So it's just there's a lot that the team still needs to figure out. But at its base, Nick Chubb, I think, is probably the easiest one to project, at least from a workload efficiency, I mean, because all of their offensive line is still coming back. It's one of the highest paid offensive lines like in the league. So at least from that standpoint, I think that's the easiest part for them to say, this is what we know we can do right now. And then the passing game, will probably figure out along the way, pending any sort of suspension for Watson.
0: That makes sense. They are replacing their center, uh, but they, they're replacing with like a, an up-and-coming player who should be almost as good as J.C. Uh Let's shift to Matt Ryan real quick. I, I think that we can all agree Matt Ryan going to a run-based attack uh, with the Colts probably is a downgrade um, fantasy-wise if you're looking at Matt Ryan as a fantasy player. But I want to talk about the receivers, Jen, in Indianapolis and see what you think about Michael Pittman and about... Uh, you know Mo Alley Cox and some of the players there that haven't experienced a passer like Matt Ryan since the Andrew Luck days are you buying those players more now that Matt Ryan's throwing the ball
1: I think so I think and I also think for Matt Ryan yes he's going into a more run-centric offense but he's got a way better receiving core than he had last year I mean other than Kyle Pitts you know it, it was a bunch of randoms and I feel like Now he's in a position where, you know, maybe it's a step up from randoms. I mean, he doesn't have this stellar, fantastic, but I think between Pittman and like you said, and Mo Cox, and and the rest of the guys that are still there, I don't know if T.Y. is still there or not, but um, I think think they get a little bump. I think they, you know, Matt Ryan is not, you know, he's got maybe an ankle in in the grave. Like he's not fully dead as far as like his arm and whatnot. I think he still has a little bit left, a little more tread, as they say. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know – I, I was going from not interested at all into the Colts receivers to you know a, a mildly peaked.
0: Yeah, perking perking an eyebrow in yeah, that direction just sure. a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I like that. Um, no, I I think I feel the same way. Michael Pittman had his breakout year last year, but it was a mini breakout. You know, he he didn't uh, you know explode. He just had a good season, which is nice. Uh, still think that offense is going to run through Jonathan Taylor, of course. Uh, Chris um, Zach Pascal is now in Philly. And mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton is yet unsigned. He may come back, but right now he's unsigned. Anyone other than Michael Pittman that you're raising an eyebrow toward because of Matt Ryan specifically? I'm all about
2: that Maxion right now. Yeah. I mean, why not? If we think about it's easy to draw the straight line between how quickly Austin Hooper rose to stardom. And then subsequently got his big deal with Cleveland and his connection with Matt Ryan. So it's like Matt Ryan has not been one of those tight end averse quarterbacks. Like when you talk about Russell Wilson and like some other quarterbacks, even like Aaron Rodgers to some degree as well. So Matt Ryan has been the one to spread it around. And if we're already talking about a team that is kind of at the bottom of the barrel, at least when you're scraping, uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel, when it comes to talent on offense, just past Michael Pittman. Then, yes, I think Mo Ali Cox, especially with the deal that he was just given. It does make some sense that they would want to involve him some more on offense, like outside of Jonathan Taylor getting a few more targets. Naheem Hines is still there as well. And Matt Ryan has also been one to toss the ball to his uh, to his running backs as well, considering we just watched Cordero Patterson, even though, you know, running back wide wide receiver, whatever you want to what position you want to give him. He's just a weapon. (laughs) Another wide back like Debo Samuel. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's where I think it's easiest to draw the straight line between where those targets are going to go and who would be most likeliest to receive those targets. But I think like Jen was saying, I do think that it was provides a bit more stability uh, in that passing game less volatile for sure without having Carson Wentz there to try and chuck some of those deep balls. Like, I don't know if you guys remember like the week seven game against San Francisco, when it had that huge downpour, I only remember that game because of course I write the weather report at four for four, (laughs) but we probably won't see those from Mm -hmm. Matt Ryan. And he only had like a 9.1% deep ball rate. And honestly, remember that was one of the reasons why Julio Jones left Atlanta was because he wanted a quarterback that would throw deep. So it might not get you some of those like high end fantasy days, but I think overall for guys like Michael Pittman, even Ali Cox, you should at least be have the, you know, steady Eddie type of production throughout the
0: season. Yeah. And Jack Doyle retired. I, I I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to be at least looking at Mo Cox because of that. Now that uh, there's a little less market tight end, uh, Jen, if you have anything to add, feel free, but I want to hear your thoughts on Marcus Mariota going to uh, Atlanta foreseeably to take over the starting job we we still have the draft to go it's very possible Atlanta adds somebody um but right now Felipe Franks Marcus Mariota the only two quarterbacks on uh the Falcons roster Mariota signed a two-year deal that looks like starter money looks like that's what they want to do so uh your thoughts Jen
1: well look I mean he's reuniting with Arthur Smith so that's something right but I think I mean, other than Pitts, I don't really know who's left. I know Gage is gone, and, and you know, there, there's, a, there's a few guys there, but I don't think that – I mean, Corderell is still there, which is wonderful. We love him. But I don't know – I'm definitely not investing in Mariota, if that was your question. I don't know if you're asking about the actual weapons. Just offense
0: him. in general. Yeah, yeah just I just
1: think – listen, I think Pitts should probably be a, a target monster, I would think, uh, in that offense. I'm not sure. You know who? Else, I mean, obviously, other than Corderell, I don't know who else is going to get those balls. So I think Pitts is safe, but uh, other than that, I'm not going to be uh, investing in the Falcons too much.
2: How dare you besmirch the good name of Olamide Zaccheaus? How dare you, Jeff?
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like he's one of those guys. It's like Russell Gage, like every season. Like, is he good? Is he not good? And then we Twitter ends up in like a two month debate on whether. Olamidi Zacchaeus is good or not. And
0: I Day. Olama Day. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, honestly, I, 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 gl- I just repeated what wrong. Chris says. I, I knew we would be talking about Alama Day today. I didn't I, say it because I, I don't know how to it say it.
1: So I ignored it. That's why I besmirched his name because I didn't look it up. <laughs> I, looked, I, was sorry, I was like, oh,
0: I'm going to butcher that name. I'm going to have to look this up. Well, Chris called me out. So all right. Mariota tied for 10th in fantasy points per game the last time he had like a healthy, full on season. So I. I'm I'm looking at Mariota. I I don't know for sure that he's going to make it through the season, but the Falcons offensive line is developing. I'll say they have a massive goal at le- uh hole at left guard, but the, it's, it's developing. I don't know. I kind of like, kind of like a little Mariota Patterson back there. Uh, Chris Falcons uh, signed your boy, Damian Williams. Uh, any interest there? Or do you think there's just too much slog there? Too much merc? No,
1: I,
2: i'll always be interested in guys that are probably going to have a late let's say late round adp that should at very least see the field a decent amount catch some targets here and there probably fall into the end zone at some point because before damien got hurt when was that like towards the early middle-ish part of the season he was essentially taking away Targets like from David Montgomery before Montgomery turned into essentially the workhorse back that he wound up being towards the back end of the season. So if we could see a scenario where they try and bring back CPAT in the same role that he had last year, maybe also working Damian Williams. I I would assume that they bring in either somebody else or maybe they draft somebody to like a younger talent to kind of bring in and work behind both of those two guys because I can't I can't believe that they're going to try and use like both of them throughout the entire season. But either way, I think that looking at them from that, or looking at him from that standpoint makes him somewhat appealing. He's not going to be a target of mine, but I could see myself like drafting a few shares here and there in best ball.
1: I invested in so much Damian Williams last season. Same. I <laughs> just thought he was good. And listen, he had the shot to do so, you know, I just, yeah, I really thought that he was going to be the secret key in best ball because he was such a late guy. And he was, you know, coming off a, almost like it should have been an MVP season with the Chiefs before COVID. Like, I was like, exactly we are correct. so yeah. all about Damian Williams. But, mm-hmm. oh, well, I think, you know, I mean, <laughs> I think there there will be Mark, as always, there in that, in that uh, Falcon backfield. But we'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll have probably an extended Cordero Patterson uh, conversation before the season starts. Since he uh, was re-signed, we'll want to see what else the Falcons do free agency in the draft, see what else is happening. But going into the season, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands on the depth chart, what kind of touches he gets. Let's shift to uh, Robert Woods, who was traded to the Titans. Uh, after the Rams signed Allen Robinson, we were kind of wondering what was going to happen with Robert Woods. Uh, didn't have to wait very long. Goes to Tennessee uh, had a big hole at wide receiver, two after releasing Julio Jones. Uh, Jen, Robert Woods in Tennessee, is he going to have the opportunity to produce there?
1: I think he will have some. I, the Titans are still going to be run first. I don't know how they're not, right? And then you have A.J. Brown. So I think Woods, I mean, you know, I love myself some Robert Woods. I, I always do. He is always someone that is undervalued and then he's always really good in PPR, especially formats. Uh, but I think, you know, I think we need to be cautiously optimistic. I think he's probably like a wide receiver three, you know, in the fantasy realm for now. I don't think we can get too excited. Um, it is still Ryan Tannehill and it is still Derek Henry's offense. So uh, it is nice that they got themselves a wide receiver two, And I like Robert Woods and I think he's very capable. He is coming off a pretty, you know, a pretty big injury too. So, um, I think on the safe side, we need to go in the kind of the wide receiver three spot.
0: Yeah, uh, Chris, does this uh, make you like Ryan Tannehill more or less or no difference?
2: Uh, about the same, because, because just like Jen was saying, it's not like we're going to assume Bobby Trees goes. at and I really like that image that we've got, like right there,
0: Robert Woods, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Ma- perfect, major credit to word. Sal. Yes. For, uh, yes, yes. For, for the for the Bobby Trees image. <laughs> yeah.
2: But it's not like we can slot him in for 100 plus targets or at least make that assumption as of right now, because the offense that, he, that he's going into now. Last season, I know that Tennessee was trying to work in quite a few guys. Like if, if Julio was out, it was how many weeks did everybody try and talk themselves into Nick Westbrook or Kene, uh, Chester Rogers, who was on the team last year. I don't think he's back on contract for this year, but he was their other slot receiver that they were using. But that's essentially like Robert Woods's role. But on top of that, like Woods is a guy that's also was a like he's a great blocker, and I think that's one of the another reason why. Tennessee wound up jumping at the chance to be able to take him because if this still is going to be the Derrick Henry show, Robert Woods last season 12th in uh, blocking grade, uh, blocking grade on PFF. I mean, he is that perfect all-around guy with that type of skill set that you want for a team that wants to be able to use a lot of play-action passing. That's where Ryan Tannehill becomes the most efficient. But also having a receiver out there that's capable of impacting other parts of the game when they're not the focal point of it, which you could see was a huge thing for them. When they couldn't use or when they did use Julio Jones, because Mike Vrabel, you could just see the exasperation or frustration with either not being able to use Julio Jones or when he was out on the field, he wasn't capable of doing the things that he wanted him to do. So I think Robert Woods brings all that to the table. But I mean, I mean, run blocking is not useful for fantasy, or at least it isn't <laughs> yet. So we don't get points for run blocking, at least not yet. But overall, I, I,
0: I, I want you to develop a way for us to get that'd be great run blocking. That's yeah. what I want, Chris. I want yeah, that to I, be a new stat.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I think overall, I think Jen Jen's spot on, like, a you know, back end, like wide receiver two, probably wide receiver three areas about where I'd value.
0: Okay, let's talk about uh, another receiver that signed uh, this uh, over the past couple of days. Juju Smith-Schuster goes to the Chiefs. Now, that's an opposite situation where we have another injured receiver going to an offense that uh, to be the wide receiver two for, you know, presumably who will uh, definitely be going to an offense that likes to throw the ball should be opportunities. Uh, Jen, where are you buying Juju Smith Schuster in this chief's offense?
1: Well, uh, listen, I think it's a good fit for him. It makes sense, right. For him to go to Kansas city. Um, They definitely need that third option behind Kelsey and Hill. That is not, you know, the, the rotating DeMarcus Robinson, uh, Pringle, I can't even think of their names right now. Hardman. McCole so, Hardman, I, don't besmirch yes. my,
0: McCole Hardman.
1: First I, I will of all, the
0: time from Hardman.
1: I'm not besmirching because he he is a University of Georgia grad. So no, I will, okay. ne- I will never be, besmirch anybody from my own No dogs. But he, exactly, reigning national champions. Um, but no, <laughs> I think that's, um, I, I don't know if there's a ton of volume though. That's the thing, right? And I don't know how much Juju really has left. So I think it's a good fit. I, I think, you know, I'm happy he signed there and whatnot. But once again, I feel like everyone, I'm like, they're a wide receiver three. But, I mean, that's kind of where I see him, like a low-end wide receiver three for now. I'm not sure there's just enough volume in that offense for him to really be the juju that we, you know, loved in Pittsburgh for for those couple years. Hill and
0: Kelsey do eat, do absolutely eat. Uh, Byron Pringle uh, over in Chicago now, so uh, that's one less mouth, but it's still Juju you got to think is going to eat up those targets. Chris, is McCall Hardman still uh, worth considering at all? He's been predicted as a breakout target two years in a row, hasn't really panned out. Uh, Should we forget about him finally?
2: I don't know about forget about him, but most likely devalue him because here are the assumptions that I'm making with the addition to Juju Smith-Schuster this moves Mikal Hardman out of the slot and pushes him even more towards the outside. So this will essentially put... I mean, Tyreek, he does move into the slot at times, but those would be essentially your two perimeter receivers with Juju primarily playing in the slot. Like, he would replace Byron Pringle because Pringle had about a 58% slot rate in the last like six weeks or so, and that was going into the postseason as well when he started to come on and playing more like 60 70% of the snaps. So if Juju takes over that role, okay, fine. But my my only issue is not just the uh, success rate, like if Juju has anything left in the tank, but also can he perform the same way that the rest of the Chiefs receivers do? Because when you think about slot receivers like Hunter Renfro or any of those types of guys, you're thinking shorter routes, shorter Ada. But that is not the case with any of the Mahomes receivers, any of the slot receivers that we saw that saw significant snaps over the past few seasons with Mahomes. Their A dot is like nine and a half or greater. Juju's highest A dot, even when he was playing with Ben Roethlisberger in his prime, was eight point four. So, is Juju capable of running or like performing with the rest mm-hmm. of that team, like on those intermediate routes, not those short routes? Because even in what was it twenty twenty uh, before Ben Roethlisberger's arm completely fell off. Juju was uh, surpassed uh, by the tight ends even in terms of dot. His dot was like 5.4, 5.5.
0: And Kelsey's essentially that role in Kansas City. Like he's essentially right. that move the chains player as well as the big play target that he
2: exactly. is. Exactly. So I'm wondering if that would be kind of how they shift or at least take away a little bit from Travis Kelsey. Maybe give Juju a bit more of that role, especially once they start moving things down the field. Because look, how old is Travis Kelsey? How old is Tyreek Hill at this point? We Like the Chiefs cannot think that they can go into another season of funneling the majority of their targets through these older receivers. I mean, elite pass catchers for sure, but I think Juju at least brings them more stability in the sense that they can now spread it out to more reliable targets at this point.
0: I was thinking I'm going to be watching Judo's ADP really closely because I feel like it's going to climb too high. Um, right now, he's about 100th, and and that seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably – it hasn't quite risen based on the news yet. I think that once it starts – we get more drafts since he signed in Kansas City. I think that ADP is going to climb too high for me to be interested. I, I think I'm kind of with you. I, I think we keep waiting for another Chiefs receiver, but – like Jen said, Hill and Kelsey are going to eat. They're going to eat. Hi Twizzler. I want to say hi to Jen's cat (laughs) Twizzler, who is uh, an honorary member of, of the most accurate podcast always comes with hot fire. Leonard Mm -hmm. Fournette takes absolutely wants to say something badly right now about Rashad Penny. I'm certain. So Jen, uh, why don't you and Twizzler tell us Rashad Penny's coming back to Seattle. Are we interested in Rashad Penny or is that going to be a mess?
1: Well listen, you know, you know I love Chris Carson. It's it's like a mental thing for me to not uh, be excited about Penny, but Penny did show last year that he's, you know, somewhat the guy that everyone's been waiting for. So, I don't know. I mean, Seattle's offense, like what are we going to get where we're not really sure yet. So, it's hard for me to get super excited about Penny. I have a feeling that uh, you know, the fantasy football world for some reason loves Penny. I mean, they really do. So, I feel like his ADP is going to be uh, much higher than I would like it to be. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's gonna—he—he's probably going to end up in that dead zone, would be my guess, depending on what happens with Chris Carson. I don't know what, what's going to happen there. So, uh, But I think that, um, I don't know. I've never really been someone that's super into Rashad Penny. So for me, it's kind of a wait and see. Uh, that offense as a whole, you know, wait until kind of see who the quarterback is, what they decide you know, to do. So I'm, it's kind of a wait and see approach for me.
0: Uh yeah, that's all I've got for the news. I uh, I don't have anything to add on Rashad Penny. I think that's exactly how I would approach it as well. Um, If you haven't signed up yet, make sure that you uh, go and check out 444's memberships right now. 444.com slash plans will tell you all the wonderful options that are out there. We have a ton of free things uh, to take a look at, including rapid reactions to the free agency additions and the major trades that are happening right now. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, let's close the show out with the stat of the week. Chris, what have you got for us this week? <laughs>
2: So we were talking about the Rams offense earlier, the departure of Robert Woods, the addition of Allen Robinson. But I wanted to focus in on just how much of an impact Cooper Cup was to that offense last year. And so for folks that didn't know, I mean, on top of him, wind up being the Super Bowl champion uh, with the rest of the Rams offense and Super Bowl was the triple crown winner. And that is the most. Uh, the most catches most yards most touchdowns in a single season and since the Super Bowl era there have only been five receivers that have won the Triple Crown uh, the Triple Crown Award so now Cup and also Steve Smith Sterling Sharp Jerry Rice and then uh, oh my gosh like why am I blanking on oh no actually yeah that is the fourth that's actually uh, so no four times that they've done it so The big thing, though, that I keep coming back to is just how how many yards like Cooper Cup acquire, like over the season, because. For each of the past winners, they've been down in the 14, 1,500-yard range. Like Steve Smith, like back in 05, he was at like uh, 1,563 yards. Uh, Even Sterling Sharp, 1,461. Jerry Rice, even though like Jerry did it when he was essentially like 30 years old and still wound up racking up just over 1,500 yards. I mean, but Cooper Cup, 1,947 yards like in a single season. I mean, when he was essentially trying to go up against like Calvin Johnson's record, I didn't think he was going to get it, even though they added on the, the extra game for this season. But just seeing him get to those heights, with a, even though he wasn't playing like primarily in the slot, but just seeing how hard or how much he carried like that offense throughout the entire season, I know that Robert Woods' injury probably fueled some of that. But just to see players like that being a, being able to attain such heights, it was a, it really was a fun thing to watch, like week in and week out. Expecting that type of production and then also seeing him get there on a week in week out basis. So, I mean, despite the fact that my Bengals wound up losing the Super Bowl, uh, I mean, tip of the cap to Cooper Cup and what he was capable of doing. And so what I mean, what do you guys think about that?
0: Cooper Cup this past season won the triple crown, won offensive player of the year, and one Super Bowl MVP. Jerry Rice is the only other receiver to ever do all of those things <laughs> in a career. In right. a career. And uh, Cooper Cup. it's just a historic season. I remember that Steve Smith season. I was in Iraq, and I started uh, on deployment, and I started a fantasy football league mm-hmm. with our small little unit. Yeah. so it was it was like four of us. <laughs> <laughs> we were that we did a little fancy football league and I had Steve Smith. I will always remember the 2005 Steve Smith season because uh, bombs all around me and bombs on the field for Steve <laughs> Smith going <on laughs> during my deployment just uh, crushed it. I think I won the league that year. I was very, very excited about that. <laughs>
1: You one out of four people, very impressive, Brandon. Look, you should be look, very proud. Look, I'm just kidding. I'm totally, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sure I you wasn't going to
0: say anything, but Jen had to. <laughs> I mean, Jen look, had to th- do look. it. Look, there weren't a lot of people around. I tried I to know. get the camel spiders to join. They they were not helpful at all. Um, I I you know there was a a very interesting marmot. That was around that uh was I, I thought might get involved but then they came in with just drafting retired players so we had to kick the Marmot out so yeah oh, okay yeah limited limited options congratulations though I'm but, yeah. you know look don't take these victories away from me, Jen I don't have that many <laughs> of them I don't have them yeah. I would
1: victories. never I was just I was just giving you crap it's all Steve good. Smith
2: has always been one of my favorite players of all time well I guess for work like for different reasons. I mean, just because the body archetype for for a, that type of dominant receiver, it just always been one of those things that have fascinated me. Like even if you go in the opposite direction to tall, skinny receivers, even like AJ green, like like guys in like, in that type of build who can move that fast and be that smooth. Devonte Adams is another one where it's just your body shouldn't be able to do the things that it does. And Steve Smith <laughs> is definitely another one of those receivers where it's like, you're just this little jacked up dude and like, how are you this dominant? On and he the played. CMA?
1: He played with an enormous chip on his shoulder. Have you ever heard like <sighs> interviews with him? Like he yeah. would just—he knew every player taken before him, every player that was passed up, every team that passed up on him. He had it all. Like sometimes, he...
0: literally a chip in his shoulder. Yeah, he would. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget seeing him catch a ball, get crushed, and like run into the end zone, broken arm dangling behind. Him. Yeah, <laughs> like this dude was tough as nails. <laughs> yeah,
2: I've always loved watching him play.
0: Agent oh, that- 89. Love him. <laughs> that's a great stat. It's a great stat. Um, I think that's all I've got for this week. So let's close out. Uh, thank you to Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I got to u- get used to saying that. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen, FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for checking us out. Have a good day.